You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Noel Herhusky-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Thursday, December 30th, 2021. Over the next two weeks, we will take a look back at the stories we covered in the year 2021. In today's episode, we will review field reports from the last year. You will hear a public opinion poll of the Astro World tragedy, activists at two protests, and an account of the 2021 Bloomington Pride Fest. All that and more in Field Reporting 2021 in Review. In August of this year, the 2021 Bloomington Pride Fest took place after happening virtually the previous year. We turn now to our historic Voices in the Street coverage of this year's Pride Fest. Welcome to Voices in the Street, WFHB's weekly public opinion feature. Voices in the Street provides an opportunity for people in our community to share their opinions and perspectives on the issues and events that matter most to Bloomington residents. During sweltering heat on Saturday, Pride Fest took place in downtown Bloomington after happening virtually last year. Pride Fest is an annual street festival organized by Bloomington Pride, a nonprofit organization that advocates for the LGBTQIA community. The festival featured a vendor expo, workshops with activists and experts, live music, drag shows, and NPG wrestling. WFHB Community Radio was a vendor at this year's Pride Fest. We set up three microphones and interviewed participants at the festival. We asked folks what brought them to Pride Fest and what the festival means to them. Here's what they had to say. Pride Fest um, is honestly a celebration of being happy and being who you truly are. Gay is a synonym for happy after all. It is a time where you can be unapologetically, truly yourself, Um, no judgment. You can be in this fancy outfit. You can just show up very muted. There is absolutely no judgment and it is honestly a safe place for everyone. It started as a riot and I definitely like um, how we've sort of continued on with this trend of celebrating um, the events that happened at Stonewall and saying, hey, we are here, we are queer and we're not going anywhere. I love it. I love the vibes here. It's just so great, so fun. Love everything about it. Um, just seeing like everybody out and everybody here supporting everybody. It's just so great to see. Pride has always been about pushing the boundaries. It's always been uh, about um, celebrating the progress that we've made. I think the the future of the LGBT community is our youth and I think it's important that we support the young people as they push those boundaries and seek to really be who they are. Well, um, well, I came out in 2019, and that um, ever since I came out of the closet, um, I am openly gay now, and I just I love pride and everything that has to do with it because it's just it makes it makes me feel normal, you know, 
because it's very hard in this time of days and especially with COVID and with uh, everything going on, it just being back at Pride just makes me feel like myself, my true self. I feel lots of love in the air right now and support. I haven't felt this in over a year <laughs> due to COVID. Um, I would say so much love and acceptance, um, especially, like, I think it's just a little glimmer of light in what's going on in our world right now. Pride has meant a lot of different things over the years. Obviously, when I first was, you know, discovering that I was bi, like, as an adult, uh, just learning how to become comfortable almost through, like, immersion therapy of just being around all of these people. Now, it's Honestly, it's more about supporting others. I think Pride Festival in Bloomington is, you know, is super important just for connection and celebration of who we are. But I think it is particularly important in a place like Indiana, which is a red state, which is a conservative state, um, that there's actually a lot of us here that uh, that need safe spaces to be able to celebrate and be open. Um, this is still really crucial and important in a place like this. Um, and it's important to me personally because uh, I'm always seeking places where liberation is at the forefront and that's something that's really difficult to find. It's really wonderful. I really am happy to be in community with other uh, queer folk again and getting to see people in person, uh, seeing yourself, others who um, share aspects of your identity that you can be in solidarity with and um, not feel marginalized, finding like meaning and joy in who you are and sharing that with other people. You know, Pride Fest, it's important to support, to uh, even, in the, even in the heat, show up. You know, that's what's important. Pride Fest is basically a way to support everyone and who they are and not feel discouraged. Everyone's together. It's not like you're being criticized for who you are. Personally, it's amazing because it feels like I'm finally being understood of who I really am and everyone around me supports it. This has been Voices in the Street, WFHB's weekly public opinion segment, featuring candid commentary from your friends and neighbors on the issues and events that matter most to Bloomington residents. Voices in the Street is a volunteer-powered production of our News and Public Affairs Department here on WFHB 91.3 and 98.1 FM, community radio for South Central Indiana. In July of this year, protesters from Cosecha, Indiana marched through the streets of Bloomington to demand reform on strict ID laws. WFHB News covered the protest. On Thursday, members of Cosecha, Indiana, marched through the streets of Bloomington with demands to reform identification and driver's license laws. According to a spokesperson for the organization, Cosecha, Indiana, is a part of a national movement working towards permanent protection, dignity, and respect for all immigrant workers.
Volunteer field organizer Wendy Catalin Ruano talked about the activist group and the purpose of the protest. Movimiento Cosecha is uh, oh, it's a movement, right? Um, so we fight for the dignity and respect and permanent protection of all 11 plus million undocumented immigrants living in the U.S. Um, so here we are, Cosecha, uh, Indiana. So we are a chapter of the Indiana state. And we're here because we're demanding uh, that the driver's license bill is not ignored. Uh, we have been living in the state for 20 plus years. Our families have foundations, businesses, education, community grounds and settings in the state. And so we're demanding that this is visible and that our bodies are visible and that we have the right to drive uh, without fear. Ruano discussed the lasting impact of the Real ID Act passed over 15 years ago, which requires federal agencies to only accept state driver's licenses or ID cards issued upon proof of documentation of legal status and driver's licenses. In 2007 was when driver's licenses were revoked. Um, folks like my parents, my uh, aunts and uncles were also um, having a driver's license at that time, but it's now been more than 15 years since we have that right back. And so we're here now being children of undocumented parents, uh, demanding that we get this right back. It's not a privilege, it's not a luxury, it's a right that everyone has, right? Everyone deserves to travel home, travel to their jobs in school without uh, having to fear uh, getting deported. The march started at Switchyard Park and ended at the sample gates on Kirkwood Avenue. Protesters chanted, quote, fighting for justice and driver's licenses, end quote. said Cosicha, Indiana has marched in various cities throughout the state and will end its series of marches in Indianapolis. She described how the advocacy group assembled the protest in Bloomington. Yeah, so as Cosecha, Indiana, we organized this uh, week-long march, which is more than 300 miles, right? We started in the Gary East Chicago area and now uh, making our stop in Bloomington. Tomorrow we'll be in Charlestown, Jeffersonville, and then Saturday we'll end up in Indy. Um, and so this is really just to be visible in all the cities, right? To show and, and be present in all the cities, demonstrating that there are undocumented leaders that are that are taking this issue head on. We are the front line of this campaign, of this movement. Nobody understands uh, our struggle more than, than, than ourselves. And so all of all the leaders that you see here that are full-time are undocumented, are also di uh, directly impacted by current laws and legislation. The organizer said she wants to emphasize how the decisions politicians make affect the lives of real people. She said she hopes to ignite a conversation among lawmakers to reform current driver's license and identification policy. Just to let the community know that 
we do have politicians that think this issue is not important, uh, but a lot of us here have suffered the the consequences of that of that being ignored. A lot of us have had loved ones, families, uh, parents deported, uh, children that are that can't get driver's licenses because they're undocumented. So this issue is affecting all of our uh, generations in our within our families. So just to let you all know, this issue is very important. This topic needs to be talked about. It needs to be passed, and it will be passed in 2022. On its Facebook page, Kosicha, Indiana says immigrants in Indiana deserve to drive without fear. In October, a group of social work students protested the National Police Social Work Conference in Bloomington. WFHB News brought remote equipment and listened to what protesters had to say. On Monday, the Bloomington Police Department hosted the National Conference on Police Social Work at the Monroe Convention Center. According to a city press release, the conference provides an opportunity for national leaders in both law enforcement and social work to share best practices in embedding social workers into police departments. In response, a small group of social work students formed to protest the conference. Grace Mitchell and Jackie Cope organizers of the Indiana Abolitionist Social Workers, said that social work and policing should not be combined. Well, it's, it's absolutely offensive that the solution to, you know, state violence is to have social workers walk alongside state agents. We have our own history of social control that we need to reckon with, and pairing us up with the police is not going to do that, and it's antithetical to our values of social justice. The Indiana Abolitionist Social Workers wrote a letter of dissent to all deans, associate deans, and directors of Indiana University Schools of Social Work. Mitchell describes the points outlined in the letter. Well, we started our letter talking about the, you know, a brief a brief statement on the inception and function of the police. And yes, I think all of this uh, all of this supports the cultural myth that we have that community policing is a real thing, that um, that social problems should be policing problems when the function of the police has been and has has been since the beginning to uh to control the population, to maintain inequalities, and it, those same inequalities that the police uh, manage in our society are those same inequalities that social workers need to be resisting against and need to be actively like creating alternative strategies to address. Putting us side by side with the police, these agents of the state, when you know um, their very existence uh, speaks to structural violence. Um, really violates community trust. It violates like the aspirational values of our profession, of our field. Cope and Mitchell said that the values of social work do not match the values of law enforcement. The police were born out of slave catchers in the South and union busters in the North. We're not aligning ourselves with that. Um, and we shouldn't. Um, 
Social work has its own history of policing communities as well. And that's something that we also need to reckon with. And pairing us up with the police isn't going to solve that and isn't going to solve police violence. Ending police will end police violence. There's no objective evidence that social worker and police collaboration um, mitigates the harm of policing. Um, all of that evidence uh, comes from police self-reports. There uh, is no objective data on citizen outcomes. And again, uh, when you have an institution that um, is fundamentally unjust, aligning yourself with that institution and calling it harm reduction is just crazy to me. <laughs> Cope says that collaboration between law enforcement and social work is not a new phenomenon. Social workers have worked with police in the past um, and are call them police social workers as the name of this conference. So this isn't actually very new. Um, there is a history of um, social work complicity in, with police. Mitchell says that there are alternative solutions that our society can explore in order to address the root of the issue at hand. We can imagine better worlds. Like, again, and I've, I've said this before, too. There aren't only two options. People think that our options are to do nothing and sit on the sidelines or to walk hand in hand with the cops. Those are not the only two options. Um, there are alternative structures, alternative organizations, alternative ways of being in the world. And we have to imagine a world beyond the world that we currently live in in order to address these problems at their root. Mitchell and Cope said to reach out and support your local Black Lives Matter organization to learn more about reallocating funds from the police department to other city departments. For WFHB, I'm Cade Young. And I'm Abe Shapiro. Live and learn. Earlier this month, WFHB's Youth Radio took over the helm of our segment Voices in the Street, which features public opinion polls in the streets of Bloomington. In their first installment, WFHB's Youth Radio asked residents about the Astroworld tragedy. We will now revisit that report. This is Voices in the Street, WFHB's monthly public opinion feature, providing the members of our community the opportunity to have their voices heard. This month, we interviewed local residents about the recent Travis Scott Festival tragedy, asking, what was a concert experience you'll always remember? I'll always remember is when Post Malone came to IU. Unfortunately, I had a terrible experience at that concert. It started to get really like scary because people were pushing forward. Uh, there was a point I couldn't breathe. I started hyperventilating and I was like, I want to leave, I want to leave. And some people just were looking at me and not moving. And each and every one of us in that friend group had a really tough experience. So like people in crowds act in animal panic ways, so there's not. concert that I literally just went to this past Friday. Um, it was a St. John concert. I got caught in the mosh pit. It was such like a surreal moment to be a part of it, and I loved it. The best part was like everyone was kind of making sure like, yeah, you're in the mosh pit, like you're still okay. That collectivism and like everyone making sure they were okay, like it was just so great. 
Uh, sometimes I really don't feel safe just because, like, I'm not that tall. I do work out, but there's a lot of bigger people there than me. What did you think upon hearing about the tragedy? Who should be held responsible? Like, they were just fans and they wanted to see their music idol, and it's horrible that they weren't able to do that. I mean, I think everyone that had a position to do something was very aware of what was going on. And I think it's really shocking that nothing was stopped with as bad as it got. Yeah, I mean, I think it's insane. You got chains already and stuff, and you can't stop a show for your fans? For your young fans. These fans aren't even 30 years old. You see what I'm saying? A 10-year-old died. Over died. Travis freaking Scott, who doesn't care about him, never seen him a day in his life. Because if he cared about him, he would have stopped the show. You don't do that to your people. Like, he just kept on performing, and it took forever to get emergency personnel there. We talk about this every time someone else dies, frankly. It is problematic in so many ways. It's a problem for whoever is selling tickets, whoever is booking the venue, whoever is setting caps. There are so many things that went wrong and it kind of feels like everyone's going to be able to pass that buck and be like, well... He's not really taking responsibility. He's just saying, I'll pay for the bills, the medical bills, the funerals, but that's where it stops. And I've, seen, I've been took some time to go see other people who had concerts where people have either like fainted or gotten hurt and been like, no, stop the show, like get them out. And to hear that he kept performing even after knowing that some people were passing out or like potentially already dead is like really disturbing. You know that artists can't really see beyond the first 10 rows because of the lights. So I think people need to think about it from both perspectives, but also understand that, hey, something did happen. And I think him and his team should take accountability for it because he created Astroworld and he kind of owes that to his fans. I mean, all parties, I think, have some fault. I think a lot of people think it's just Travis Scott's fault. I think part of it's his fault. But at the end of the day, the fans also made decisions to whatever be ridiculous. And it's also the venue's fault, in my opinion, too, because, yes, they don't have the manpower, but they could have prevented that a long time ago, considering how packed they'll know Astroworld would be. It's very complicated to have an opinion because I feel people judge very easily. I know in the concerts uh, a lot of time the people get faint. So how are you going to know being the artist that the person is dead or faint or just overdose? So you have no idea. You get paid to make the concert. Also, from the perspective of the artist, we want to make the people happy. Of course, he has some fault, but at the same time, it's very easy to judge, but you never know the reality. I've, I've heard that he's had allegations against him for like inciting like riots and ragers at his concerts. Um, but with Travis, I think when he puts his name on something like Astroworld, that's something you create, right? It's not a part of like Coachella or Lala. It's something that you create from the scratch. Since your name is tied to it, it's like your moral responsibility to understand the ins and outs of it or give it to somebody you trust to be able to understand that all aspects and all the fans that you create music for are going to be safe and actually have a good time. What could or should have been done to avoid this unfortunate occurrence? Maybe improving plans for like communication in the event of emergencies. A tragedy, and I think that Travis Scott should have stopped the concert as soon as he saw the first ambulance coming through because it was just really unacceptable how long they continued the show after things were happening. He should have stopped. As, a, as somebody who is a producer, as somebody who has rapped on stage, I don't care how famous or how much money I am. One person gets hurt at my show, that's the end of the show. I can't have my fans thinking that I am the reason for their death. I understand. 
I mean, I don't really know if Travis could see what was going on or what wasn't going on, but I still think that like other people that knew that something went wrong could have played a role or that there should have been protocols in place for that. I guess only like two people really had the power to like stop the concert. They weren't even in attendance. So I think like power should be given to the artists because obviously they're the only ones who can really see and like security can really see. I mean, artists have control through what happens throughout the concert because they can stop performing at any time. It might be a breach of contract, but at the same time, they have enough money to cover that breach of contract. The safety of others is more important than anything else. Hey, I, yeah, I think there could have definitely been better crowd control. I guess just cutting down the amount of tickets they sell maybe would help, but I mean, it's people broke in, right? So even if you increase security, I don't know. So I mean, it should have been stopped. Travis Scott, yeah, should probably be held somewhat responsible there legally, I would hope. So I feel like there could have been more thought going into like the planning of like the whole concert. There's not like especially with artists like Travis Scott, there's not really much you can do to avoid that. My show. Uh, <laughs> I can only speak for myself because there's so many opinions out there. If it was my show, I would have stopped the show. What should concerts be like going forward? Uh, it should be like a safe place for people to like hang out, have fun, just like enjoy music instead of risking getting injured and and just like badly hurt. Like, you shouldn't walk into a concert having to plan your escape route. If you have to go into some place, any place, thinking, like, how am I going to get out of here, then it's probably not a place you should go. But I think that concerts should have way more medical professionals available. They should have way more security guards available. And they should have a performer who cares about the lives of the people that attend their concerts. People just need to calm down. I don't know, I think concerts should be a place for like people to gather together and enjoy music, but there should just be more thought behind the whole process. Um, there should be enough space for you to get out if you want to get out. I mean, you shouldn't be fearing for your life. That's pretty insane. People shouldn't be dying. Concerts should be a fun time. There should be walking room at concerts. Um, making sure that there's breaks, making sure that the artists are having fun, the people are having fun, and then... It shouldn't be every man for himself. I'm not a big fan of seated concerts, but at this point, maybe that will be a good way to go. It just, there is very different concerts, so I'll say there's no way to do it. All interviews were conducted by Marty Abadi, produced and hosted by Wilder Mouton. This has been Voices in the Street, WFHB's monthly public opinion feature of candid, local commentary about our world today. Voices in the Street is a volunteer-powered joint production of our news department and youth radio program here on WFHB, 91.3 98.1 FM, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information is online at mpisolarenergy.com.
You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Our features were produced by WFHB News volunteers at PrideFest, Cade Young, Abe Shapiro, Noel Herhusky Schneider, Marty Abadi, and Wilder Mountain. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Noel Herhusky Schneider. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Big Talk, a one-on-one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local longer 